around the NFL podcast. The Jets will win the Super Bowl. Is what a crazy person would say. <laughs> yeah. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis. I got heroes here. Some of them. Greg Rosenthal. Mark Sessler. Hearty. Hearty. Thank you to everyone. An outpouring on the old social media of positivity and congratulations and strolling down memory lane uh, after we made our big E is for extension announcement on Thursday's <laughs> show. So thank you to everybody who uh, said kind words. That is, look at Mark's shirt. It says, be kind on it four times in different letters. And certainly that's what we felt from the uh, listeners and everyone else in the business. That was my order to them. And they responded with kindness. And I appreciate it. Is, it, is that like a self-reminder or you're telling others to be I, kind, be I, kind, be kind? That's what you should It's says. actually um, my wife's T-shirt. I'll start there. Wow. But um, when I wear it, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> translate into my own mood. So I'm not taking my hey, own note. This is, um, is that a humble brag or I don't know where to take that. What? You're, you're wearing your wife's shirt. Your wife is a, a slender woman herself. And you're just saying you, you guys can share wardrobe now. That's where you're at. I think it's a T-shirt. I'm not even sure it was a female's T-shirt. It just was. I've noticed it. But you with, share it. That is yeah. interesting. Do you Kinda share cute. any other like undergarments? Or? <laughs> no, not that I know. I've, I've usurped it. This is now <laughs> my shirt. So, OK, do, it's yours. Do you ever catch a scent of, oh, it's. It's spirit antiperspirant. I have. I mean, I think we've all done this in a pinch. Like Secret? when you when you run out of your men's deodorant, there have been times when I've used. It, it was secret. It was a, a version of secret. Yes. And I have to say, Teen um, Spirit. It, it works. Teen Spirit. No, on me? she does not wear Teen Spirit. But Secret <laughs> actually worked very well. I'm learning. A that's, lot of that's what the ads say. That's what the ads say. Well, uh, I thought it, I thought I would overpower it with my scent, and it, it did not happen. You're so. right, Dan. It was very nice to hear from the listeners because uh, they'll remember shows. There was that one thread of like it was someone's five favorite shows, and I can't remember half of the. the I mean, when you, <laughs> they they tell us about it, then you remember it. Uh, but it's just been so long since you thought about some of those shows. We're now going to be entering our tenth season together, and. Um, you know, we're becoming older men, and I appreciate when when you guys remind us of uh, some mm -hmm. of the things you enjoyed in the past. Oh, I love those. Uh, it's like learning it for the first time. Yeah, I love when we hear from the listeners like, oh, you you know, I just graduated from college. Like, you know, I've been listening to you since I started high school. I was like, whoa, have we been doing this that long? Like, oh, we what, have. What, what has happened? Where has the time gotten? And also, I'll, like I said, whether it was a private text or, you know, an email or social media, all the people that said nice things, uh, people that we know. Now we're going to have to start cataloging. We're going to go back and catalog who we didn't hear from. Oh, uh, oh that wait, process you guys heard from already people? begun. I don't think I heard from anyone. Well, no. From many people. No, no, I don't think anyone reached out. Was, um, Mark, now that we are under uh, contract um, for more years with the NFL, mm -hmm. um, they're going to be asking more from you. And I was thinking side podcasts just right off the top of my head for you to podcast potentials. Spiarts with Mark Sessler. <laughs> no, I hate that. And it's just all, nothing but nothing NFL related, but all the other spiarts. I don't like the way that the uh, that you're sound, that you're voicing that. Oh, so you want it to be spiarts with Mark Sessler. No, I do not want that. And I already told you before the show <laughs> that that actual clip that you do. 
uh, is annoying to me. But tell me, you want it to be sports with Mark Sessler. That's closer to it. Although I don't, I'd rather pick a different topic. All right, I, that was the yeah. title of Katie Nolan's podcast. Ooh, Spiards? Sports. Oh, okay. That so means we can't like, you start, I'd have to start watching other Instead, sports, yeah. which sounds time-consuming. <laughs> uh, then I had one other, and I'll keep workshopping this because okay. I just assume you won't like any of them. But this guy gets it with Mark Sessler. I like that. Yeah. I can work with that. Right. It sounds yeah. like a, I could hit touch on any sort of topic that, that pleases me. Coming up today, one of my favorite football figures in the coaching ranks in the last 20 years, Mike Westoff. He has a new book coming out called Figure It Out, My 32-Year Journey While Revolutionizing Pro Football Special Teams. How about that? For it's a, a thick book, too. I mean, he, went, thick, he went to work here. This and, was, you know. I mean, look at the flex right in the, right in the subhead there. When you say I revolutionized pro football special teams. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, that's a commanding title too. Like your shirt. It's, it's a, it's an order. Figure it out. Be kind. I assume Greg, that you've already read the entire book, considering that we're having him on as a guest to discuss the only way to do things. Right. Just powered through it over the weekend. Kevin Danger's in town. I said, Kev, I'm going to take a break. I got to read another 200 pages of Westoff's (laughs) biography with Barry. (laughs) Barry Wilner. Um, Also coming up today, um, Greg, one of your, um, I bet it's one of your better um, trafficked pieces. Projected starter series. You go through each division, each team, and take a closer look. Now it's time to put these teams on the slab. It's an autopsy. All right. Let's dig through it. Projected starters autopsy. How do you feel about that? I feel like you always would have liked to um, be in the writer's room for like a TV procedural in a different life, maybe. And this is your chance. This is your chance. I do have a question, though. (laughs) I mean, I brought this up to you also before the show. This is the time of year where all 32 teams are, you know, generic. They're very much alive. Right. They've not been injured or, you know, they've not, their right. weaknesses have not been exposed. I understand. Yeah. And we're right. calling them that they are all dead and we're opening up their bodies well, on true, a table. Well, true, because the rosters are a, a living thing and it's very annoying writing this every year. The editors, they, the second you post it, of course, it's like, oh, Stefan Tuart retired. Oh, can you, can we adjust it? Oh, this, this or that happened. Oh, this, you know, and it's like, we just got to rewrite this for uh, the next three months? <laughs> what are well, we going to do? Me, let me well, cla- they did not update the uh, Alex Mack retirement, so maybe the, the okay, cutoffs maybe occurred, the, the, the Let cut. me clarify. The autopsy sure. is on the series itself. Okay. So now Greg, his, his football mind has dug through all these teams, and now we're going to pick through the remains of Greg's in, insane I, rantings. I still right, have a I, question I value, or two. But, okay. I like the rantings, the takes right. that go with it more than – the projected starters themselves. Speaking of insane rantings, on the back of the Westoff book, this how about this? What do they call the little pull quotes? Or yeah. The, it's basically blurb. Your blurb, a blurb, yeah. We called Mike Westoff the mad scientist. He changed the game. Rog Goodell, comma, NFL commissioner. All right. All do right, you Barry think, Wilner. Do you think Goodell wrote Westoff? that? Or did, did a Goodell handler type you know what? that out? How about you ask Mike Westoff that when he's on the I show? I will. A little later I promise today. to ask that question. It's very outspoken. I man. think I think Wilner reached out to a PR um, representative with the NFL, told them what they were looking Barry for, Wilner. and then they got an email back. I now I don't know who wrote. That, well, the blurb. that's right. That's half the equation. But now we're doing an autopsy on the back <laughs> blurb for the West. Just book. trying to let people know this is how the real stuff goes down. But before that, let us hit the news. It's because they were going to bang. 
time for news and notes presented by Upwork, where you can build a team that will build your business. Learn more at Upwork.com. All right. Listen. Aaron Rodgers. Thought he'd be out of the news this offseason. Not so. Yeah. You know, he he says he could definitely see the end coming to his career. We know he's back uh, after redoing his deal with the Packers. Of course, this is also uh, surprising that he lost his number one wide receiver, Devontae Adams. You wonder? You wonder if if he would have had that information in hand? I guess we've heard that maybe he did, but I don't know. Would he still made the same decision about going back to Green Bay? Who knows? And we'll see how this season plays out. We'll see what Greg has to say about the Packers roster a little bit later. But Rodgers is introspective right now, uh, Mark, and he is thinking about a future that doesn't rely on football because it's not he said about the game. The game to him still comes easily, but we've heard this so many times. It's everything around it, the preparation, the hours needed to be a truly great quarterback, and he is as the back-to-back MVP, of course. Uh, So Rodgers, maybe this is it. We shall see. I think it's very much a I'm letting you know that next season could be the end. The one after that could be the end. The one after that could be because he's what essentially three one year deals. And this is not this is what Aaron Rodgers has been saying for a very long time. And I there was a period where every quarterback released a press release saying I'm going to play until age 45. Well, I don't think with Aaron Rodgers that that's the same DNA within him that Tom Brady has. His mind is when I start hearing this. From any athlete, I agree that he can go be as proficient and talented as possible on the field. I think he can separate that. But mentally, when you're playing football and you start thinking about the fact that this is not what I want to do with my life anymore on some level, I that would concern me from a starting quarterback. Not overly concerned. This is He's a compartmentalizer. He, can, he thinks differently. He's going to write his own original ending. I know that. It's not going to be mm. what people expect. But when this is in the head of your quarterback, the end is near. I mean, the guy turns 40 next season, the 2023. So he, he'll turn 39. Stuck up on us because he started. Yes, he waited on the bench for three years behind Favre. This is his 18th season, but he hasn't started all those years. Right. And it's not none of it's surprising. You're right, Mark, year to year. Then again, he's set to make $59 million next year. And in 49, the year after that, you really going to you're going to pass that up. You're going to the way it's structured. I don't think he has to give back any guarantees because that, that was one thing I was curious about when I heard this. Like, wait, isn't he guaranteed money into next year? No, not really. I mean, he he, he is and he isn't. He got the big signing bonus and the salary is just huge. Uh, but I, I'm with you, Mark. I don't think he's going to be playing that late. And that would mean that this could be. The, what if it has a bad season? I don't know if he's going to want to be the sixth best quarterback in the league, but 49 million and or 59 million in 2023. Would what be if they have a playoff up. meltdown? It's like you have to go through the whole process all over again. I think it could be enough to convince him to ejector seat. That's, and that's more or less um, what he said in his comments. It's the other stuff that wears on you and makes you think about life after football. Tommy obviously set the bar so high with playing so many years, but I could definitely see the end coming in other News. Retirements. Let's get caught up with some roster retirements. Alex Mack, Stefan Tuitt, Romeo Cronell, who, after nearly 40 seasons in coaching, he announces retirement at age 74. Uh, but these are guys uh, that had big years uh, to it and Mack. They are walking away from the game with something left to give. Yeah, to it, 29. 
I mean, was a all pro type of player in 2020 was one of the keys to that defense. And I think was one of the reasons why they were so bad last year. People kind of sleep on the fact that the Steelers defense was mediocre and to it uh, had some off field stuff. Um, his brother had passed away. He had some physical stuff. So they're used to not playing with him since he wasn't there last year. Uh, but also, that's a, a major loss. And they and the 49ers think that Mac is a major loss, too, because they just spent the last three months trying to convince him to change his mind. And he didn't. And so they, they have a couple questions on their offensive line right now. Right. Because Mac has been nothing but consistent his entire career. Seven-time Pro Bowler. He was a favorite of Shanahan, who was his offensive coordinator in Cleveland in 2014, the year that Shanahan was there for one year. The offense got out to a great start. They were like 7-3. and three. And then earlier on in that, Alex Mack suffered a season-ending injury. The line fell apart. The whole offense fell apart. A year later, Shanahan brought him to Atlanta and then tugged him to San Francisco. And if he's, if he's now that he's gone, Jake Brendel is at center, it looks mm. like. And the interior of their line, if you go look at what PFF thinks of it, is a lot less um, glowing than a year ago. Right. And and to to it, it we can skip this part of projected start. It's like his loss is a reminder that this defense on paper not that exciting. Also, give Ro- Romeo, what a career. Not just the time with the Giants and certainly the Patriots, but even, I know, it was uh, a lot of bad moments as Browns head coach. But here's just a fact for you. There have been 13 coaches that have coached the Browns since they returned. Uh-oh. Uh, only three of them have ever won 10 games in a season. So I think it's a losing proposition. You're fighting uphill when you become the Browns coach. And the Romeo Cornell, what, maybe he didn't do that bad a job is well, what I'm saying. So, he got, so they had this sort of magical 10-6 and six campaign with Derek Anderson at quarterback, a deal with the devil type of scenario where he was essentially like a raging upscale pro bowler for one season. They gave Romeo Cornell a big contact contract extension. And the next year, I think they went four and 12 and didn't win another more than five games for another six seasons. So you're right. It was an outlier, but I think he might've been, there are others out there, the nicest coach that we've ever, he's like one of the nicest men and just like never really, you saw him get like angry or unflappable at anyone. Maybe BB's uh, favorite, Belichick's favorite. If I had to guess who was like his favorite assistant in all of these years, my guess would be Romeo. That those hugs that they would have at the end of the Eric Mangini, perhaps. Uh, You could ask Bill Belichick on Thursday when he joins us on the show. (laughs) Just kidding. That will never happen. Uh, (laughs) NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that the 49ers. Well, have we ever asked? What? We have not extended an, inv- an invite. So. And how about we have some? I, I think we have business? at the owners' meetings. We because we kind well, of put yeah. the spread. Um, let's in, try to get everyone and see who says yes. I think we might have asked. But that's least. like speed dating. We have to make it yeah. special. Right. For we Bill have Belichick. to button up the Belichick letters. Sure. Check out Mark Sessler's long form when uh, he was a boy writing to Belichick, and he got a letter back. We got to button that up. We got Greg and the crush that he's had on Belichick all these years. I obviously have a lot of respect for Bill Belichick, despite some of the agony he's brought to my life. Bill Belichick, let's get him on the show. Why don't we set that a goal now that we are staying here at the NFL to get Bill Belichick on the show before the end? I'll be Sean, like Sean Kelly behind the glass just gave me a very like earnest thumbs up. Like, like no problem. Working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, boss. I'm into it. I'll, I'll remind. Um, Way to go, boss. Hey, Belichick, do you remember me? Uh, I asked you, you a question. You got it, Skip. I asked you a question about Antonio Pierce. At the 2007 he Super would Bowl, remember. my first, my first Super Bowl, <laughs> it was a big deal to me at the time. It's like, oh really? I'll really get a good answer asking about the other. Uh anyway, Jimmy G, 
Jimmy G. What's up with Jimmy G? NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reports that the 49ers have excused Jimmy Garoppolo from the team's mandatory minicamp. He is recovering, of course, from off-season shoulder surgery. He was not traded by the 49ers, uh, obviously, to this point. And now you wonder where he is in the team's pecking order with Trey Lance ready and waiting, or so it seems. So anyway... Uh, we don't know if Jimmy G's going to be with the Niners, but he won't be practicing with them at least until at the very earliest uh, training camp. It borders for me on a non-story because like there's the, the, the goal has to be to shop him at some point in camp, probably when, when disaster strikes another team and he looks more like a favorable option. Why even have him in the building and receive as much of a, as a paper cut? Speaking of cuts OT- can be dangerous. Though. Oh, I, the worst. I, I'm with you, though. I think there are some stories that it's like I just want to enter it for the record in the news. Maybe there's nothing to say, but it's you got to enter it for the record, Dan. <laughs> That's important to have it on record and uh, for posterity. Also, uh, I kind of missed this. I don't know. Maybe I was out and you guys talked about it. But speaking at OTAs in the last week of May, Kyle Shanahan said of Garoppolo, I expect at some time he'll be traded, but it's not a guarantee. It went on hold. Uh, when the surgery happens. So, I mean, if the coach is saying he's expecting it to happen, they probably feel pretty confident it will happen, but also the door is open and then it gets, they've probably had conversations that have led them to uh, think that like he is sick of being the nice guy, which makes sense. Well, he's, he's himself said that it's been a trying journey as, as nice as he's been about it. Um, in Deshaun Watson news, another woman has filed a civil lawsuit against Watson, raising the number of women who have accused the Browns quarterback of inappropriate sexual conduct to 24, 24 women now. And Deshaun Watson and his legal representation say that all 24 are lying. And that legal representation, um, Greg continues to make an ass of itself. Uh, when they go on the radio and, and really anytime they open their mouth. Uh, and another example that happened uh, during an interview uh, earlier this week or late last week. Yeah, with our friend Seth Payne. It was on his oh, show in, with Seth in Houston. And yeah, Rusty Harden made the case um, that happy endings, in his words, uh, are not a crime uh, if money was not paid extra for him. Uh, this is Deshaun Watson's legal representation who's supposed to be helping him out, pointing that out. And then a- as part of that exact quote said later, doing something or saying something or being a way that makes you uncomfortable is not a crime. First of all, we're not, it's not criminal conduct anymore. That's not what we're talking about because these are civil allegations. Uh, but number two, the, these statements were so dumb to put out there um, not just from a PR angle, but from a legal angle, that they are quoted directly in this 24th um, complaint. So this Bad is lawyer work. Right. So the 23rd and 24th cases have happened since we've last talked about it, at least there was also a 23rd case. And this one, now, the, the 24th one refers exactly to that because it gets to the idea that Watson is okay making these women feel uncomfortable. The allegations also include um, that he, you know, he took out his penis and he he ejaculated on her without permission, which is uncomfortable to hear, but that's like what it is in more than a few of these. And like, we know that the lawyer and the agent um, don't, you know, they're not concerned with the women. Um, but I think there's a case to be made for, they're not really looking out for Deshaun Watson's best well, interest 
either here because they could have stopped all of this last October. There was a moment there where reported, according to Mike Florio, the the women were willing to accept a hundred thousand dollars for this all to go away last October. It was part of the Dolphins. About two and a half million dollars right. paid out. And they could have ended it right then. And, and the cost that they have now, because the price has certainly gone up, I think, in the meantime, and the cost to Watson and the Browns and his life and everything in the meantime also shows he's not getting good advice, among other things. Not that it's not all his fault. I mean, Rusty Harden has not been an attorney for four weeks. Like, he should know the number one rule is that probably your client is going to go say stuff that requires damage control. Point to Deshaun Watson's press conference with the Browns, where everything that came out of his mouth felt like he was seeing this in a completely different way and uh, accountable for none of it. And so, Rusty Harden, if anything, say nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not arguing that I, like they look completely like buffoons in this whole situation. But at this point, I think it expedites the NFL having to come in with what we expedites. How about, I mean, how much well, longer was it? expedite? Just do something. There was Make a report. An I just say there was another hurries report. It. This hurries it. I well, think. the lawyers did say that he finished four different interviews with the NFL My and goodness. that's over with now. How and is this concluded. still being discussed? We yep. should know. And Rusty Harden said on the, I believe the same interview, there's a good possibility. The NFL will make a decision on Watson's status that he won't like, uh, meaning a likely a suspension is coming. Harden also added he doesn't expect these two new lawsuits to change the NFL's timeline. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see. But uh, it is now dragging almost into, uh, as we head into mid-June June almost, no word from the NFL on punishment for Deshaun Watson. So that's where that story is at. And that, my friends was News and Notes presented by Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at Upwork.com. That was a a bulging, uh, dramatic pause there. Pregnant with twins, yeah. just with triplets. Greg's wording there. He said words that have never been uttered on this podcast, and it, it's knocked me for a loop. And I'm, <laughs> it's understandable. Yeah. Kind of knock me, knock me aside there. Now I'm back up. All right. Let's take a break and then get to projected stars. Autopsy. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Projected starters. <laughs> the series is done. Greg did the work. And the work was good. It was good work, Mark. It's a great read. It's eight great reads. It's a man that clearly has his finger on the pulse. But now there is no longer a pulse on the exercise. It's on a slate. Slat? Slab. Slab. Sitting there on a slab. We're getting out our scalpels. Putting on our gloves. Putting our scrub, scrubbing in. Do you have to do that hand washing doctor thing before surgery? If it's autopsy? I don't Probably know. Do. It's, it's, I, if it's a dead internet, sterile. if it's a dead internet article, that's where we rested on this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we need to wash our but hands. But I think, yes, in a real autopsy, I, I think being sterile and, and clean, yes, you yes. should probably wash your hands. Let's sterilize. Seems like the All minimum. Right. All right. Mark and I are going to sterilize now. One moment. 
All right, we're back. We're fully sterilized. <laughs> Feeling pure. How do we get another contract? I don't know. Yeah, here this we is, are. I, now I know why Dan <laughs> didn't want to do my idea for this segment. <laughs> what was your idea? It was like, uh, what was it? It was me throwing out the takes and you, oh. you judging it on one to contrarian. But you had this vision of the. Of oh, the, we the can the still voice. do that though. We why don't we do it a lot? I like we that too. I it's a poo poo platter. Yeah, it's a poo. I want to. I want to see where this goes. The autopsy. Also, something I don't know. that shouldn't yeah. be close to an autopsy procedure. <laughs> Just a trays of food that you're eating <laughs> off of. Like it sounds unrighteous. Um, here we go. I like that. In fact, let's fold that into it. It's part of the overall conversation. Okay. Okay. What is it? Take I don't know. Contrarian or yeah, it was what? Like a, it was one on to a contrarian. Scale of one yeah. to one to contrarian. I missed that text entirely. So. I may have, you were maybe, on it. I, yeah, mean, I, yeah, you kind of I actually it. also responded to Greg's text and said, I think that's a really missed good it. idea. There's a lot <laughs> there. It. And then it was just people are learning to this is an autopsy of how the show is made. <laughs> I missed it. That's listen, you got to take ownership sometimes. It's like when Henry, Henry sent a very nice tweet out and he's like, you guys, you don't even know the, the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes to make around the NFL what it is. And this is it right here. These yeah. texts. <laughs> make them think read. takes a lot of work <laughs> at least. Read. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, it's on the slab. It's time to dig in. And I'll start here, Greg. Okay. You go through all these rosters, and when you see the teams, when you're writing these up, the, the teams that had the really strong roster, that are Super Bowl contenders, mm-hmm. on the teams at the very top of this exercise in terms of loaded teams, quote-unquote, what was the biggest flaw on an otherwise really strong roster? Like, what was one that really stood out to you? It was like, oh, wow, okay, uh, this could undermine a, a potential champion. I feel like with more than not, it's offensive lines. I would say the Bills' offensive line. I, like, love the Bills in general. How can you not? And if you look at their offensive line, they were mediocre last year, I would say, and they kind of replaced guys with, run first type of players. So could Josh Allen be under a lot of pressure here? Uh, Spencer Brown, uh, Roger Saffold, who didn't have the best season for uh, the Titans last year. Gravers Titans, like, you know, they they played this guy, Ryan Bates, who's a restricted free agent. That's one that immediately comes to mind. Certainly the Packers pass catchers is, but that's an obvious one. Right. But I thought you kind of thought maybe that wouldn't be too too much of an issue. You, no, because I think the rest of the yeah. team is is great. Uh, I would say the Broncos are similar in the offensive line. I feel like there was a couple teams like that where the Broncos' offensive line could ruin everything. So offensive line could be a, an issue for some of these teams. How about you, Mark? Throw out something. So as you go through 32 of these, and you know, obviously it's not like you're just meeting these teams for the first minute when you do it, but was there one team where your impression of who they are, what they are right now, changed the most, or that you maybe learned about the most, or maybe altered the way you feel about them? I felt like the the Cardinals pop up as a team that, after I was over, it was like, oh, this team could win five games. Mm. Like, where, what, it, what it, when you look at the Cardinals, what do you look at and say, like, that's what we're good at? Like, what is our big asset here? Now, maybe it's when... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins returns. It's Kyler Murray and Brown and Hopkins and more. And th- you have this vision of that all works that's out it. in a passing game. I guess that's it. But I don't know. The offensive line on paper, not 
uh, getting me excited. Very thin. I think they overachieved in the secondary, but for the most part, I'm not in love with that group. They have these two linebackers they drafted in the first round, uh, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, who's kind of underperformed. Their defensive line and their pass rush looks very thin. And you look at the rest of that division and you think about the coaching and the strife that's going on. And I felt much different about them, like worse. There were certain teams that I probably felt better to. Colts uh, would be one. So would you would you classify the Cardinals as like a a bad surprise where you went? That would be a bad surprise. Yeah. yeah. What about a good surprise? A team where you're going through the roster. You didn't think much about them. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what do we got cooking here? I thought I'd be more down on the Colts than I am. And now I'm sort of convinced their pass rush, for instance, and their defense in general. They lost Ibraflus, the defensive coordinator. But I think replacing... Um, who was it? Xavier Rhodes with Stefan Gilmore is good uh, at cornerback. And then you look at that pass rush, Quiddy Pay, who I liked in his second year, and then Buckner and adding in Gakwe. And they have um, the guy coming off a torn ACL slipping my mind uh, in his second year. Like, I like their defense a lot. And then I kind of looked at the rest of the group and I'm thinking like, OK, I'm back on board, I'm back on board with the Colts. The Bengals were another one. Not that I should be surprised by them, but I would say like... In a good way. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised in a good way. The Saints, like the more I looked at them, I'm like, I think people are a little too down on the Saints. Everyone is jumping on the Lions bandwagon as the concept of a fun team that could, you know, suddenly win some games in a pretty shoddy division. Do you buy into the Lions Mm. after this project or do you say no? Oh, I'm totally in on the Lions. I think we both. What does it mean? What does that mean? Like just being a fun, exciting team. How many wins? Okay, I had these things written down that were like maybe um, because I didn't know what we were gonna do here. Totally, that were maybe the the hot takes that you guys were great or something. Let's get to it. I mean, there were some some of these that I've already. And then you want us to grade it one to contrary. Yeah, I don't even know how that makes sense. You're famously a contrary. We're both medical examiners. We may have different opinions. Fully sterilized. One one of them was like, okay, everyone's in on the Colts, the Lions' offensive line. Great offensive line. Looks like a top five offensive line. How about the Lions? defensive line might be a top five to ten defensive line. You're cooking with gas here that both of these lines could be among the very best in the league. Here's what you're working with. Aiden Hutchinson added to a group that already had Romeo Aquara. Charles Davis is coming off. I mean, Charles Harris coming off a uh, career year. You have these two young defensive tackles who they're hoping to develop uh, own with Onwuzurike, uh, you have Romeo Akara's brother, you have Aleem McNeil, you got a lot of players. I didn't even mention Michael Brockers, they drafted Josh Pascal. I like the teams that's got like seven or eight guys where their backups look mm-hmm. like some team's starters. That was a long one. Is Contrarian 10 or is it 100 in this exercise? I don't know. I think it's was, a, oh, I thought it was a 10. That was just the I was way thinking I heard 10 it, too. Yeah. I just didn't want to come in with something if we're going to a scale 100. I'm going to give that a, a four because I think you backed up. I, Too much. I, no, I agree with the offensive line, and if it, it's not a wild hot take from outer space with the facts that you provide. I mean, you the, need defen- a lot of, the defensive well, line would be the yeah. top ten part. You need part. you need these things to click, obviously. Like Aiden Hutchinson has to hit the ground running. Joshua Pascal, you need that guy to hit the ground running. Ground running. You got um, Levi An- Anuzikare. Onuzirike. Ooh, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, he's a second-year pro, so you need these guys to yeah, kind of make a Yeah, him and Ali McNeil, who they drafted high last year, both of them, and we're like, fine. I don't know if they, you can like be totally on board that they're going to be. People like good. Aaron Glenn too. They right. That he is a guy uh, seen as an on-the-rise defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, could put himself in if they take the leap. He will be a hot name on the head coach market. I agree. Um, next year, Aaron Glenn. 
all right, I will give that a, a five. Okay. You know, I think that was, and that's good. I think that's kind of where, that means it's, it's a, a reasoned take. Um, that wasn't one of my higher ranked ones. I tried to rank, like, if I only had time for a few. That, well, but give you us did, a spicy you one, You did maybe. say, I have to say, you said that, that they could be special in the yeah. write-up, which, all right, I'm going to move it. But that's not contrarian. I'm going to six. I'm going to put it six. It's good, though. It's a good place. Lion's Pop is not contrarian special. right now. Right. It's not It's not contrarian. Um, how about Khalil Mack is the third biggest free agent addition to the uh, third most important three free agent addition to the Chargers defense. To me, if you look where, where you look where they struggled a year ago, okay. J.C. Jackson, I think, is going to have a bigger impact. And then you got Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, who's really fixing a position that they didn't that they needed more. They also added Austin Johnson, who's like a run stopper. So that kind of combining those two. Max replacing a guy who was pretty good in the first place, Nuosu, who had who had a nice impact. And like that team, maybe I'm ranting too much, but that, that team has a lot of questions on their defense. There's a lot of talent, but they got to produce. They didn't produce last year. I like this one. I'm going to give this a six and a half because if you get the version of Khalil Mack where you're not getting what you had a couple years ago, uh, then it isn't a massive upgrade from what they had. I do think, though, because he know he, he knows the system, he knows Brandon Staley really well, and you've got. But what it could do is help Bosa in so many ways if he comes in and plays like the good version of Khalil Mack. But I still think that's a spicy take. Six point five. I think it's. A, I think it's an. It's almost like the contrarian thing is what's right. That, 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 maybe that was up. the wrong yeah. way to look at it. But you know, this like, is why it like needs maybe to be it's like a up. spicy meatball. Like, yeah, uh, I think because that's a pretty spicy meatball. Um, I put that in uh, seven and a half because mm. I think people like to gravitate towards who's the veteran name. Same thing up in Buffalo, like Von Miller. He's going to be the guy that puts him over the top. Well, if it's the Von Miller that showed up in the playoffs, yes, if it's the Von Miller that is another year older and maybe in decline. They're going to need other guys are going to end up being more important, but I like that one. We're flying. Let's keep rolling. Greg, give us another okay, one. So now I'm just doing these. Yeah, this is fun. I like this. Okay. I wish you guys would have flagged this before this morning. I, mean, I, I like the autopsy. You know, We're getting both. I mean, we had, text, be like, we should do something yeah, like that. I mean, you I, literally we literally did. If, we, if you read uh, the thread, uh, it looks very much like you looked at Greg's suggestion and uh, my response to Greg's suggestion. It. Disregarded. Dis- exactly. Because oh, you're a nice guy. When you, in general, when you want to disregard a comment, uh, an idea you probably just will ignore it and we it was also by the way Sunday for us you know we were having our own Sunday so it was like oh that's oh, true you sent it on Sunday yeah it's like let's uh, not have a Sunday? brouhaha no I think it was thing. this morning was it oh maybe you're right I don't even remember I mean Kevin Danger's in town we my know brother what was doing on know, Sunday if he doesn't even remember loose. sending this but hey yeah. I was uh I was the assistant coach for uh, the season finale for uh the Dodgers, the L.A. Dodgers Walker Rosenthal was this was this on the well. text thread that also has Graver on it no, this was no, this, this was morning. A, this was this morning. Was it? Just us. Oh, I don't know. Who, knows? Who cares? All right, here's um, here's one. Wait, I'm checking. Uh, it. Josh McDaniels retaining. That's fun. Mark oh no, wrote. my bad. Mike McDaniel retaining. Here's the thing, though. Mark writes like that's fun or it sounds good, like no matter what the idea is. Right. That's so. true. Well, I, that's <laughs> right. it's kind of why I wanted to bring this whole thing up because I think uh, our listeners will enjoy. The also, it was personal this morning, dynamics. So I have no pr- no memory of what's happened. occurred yeah, in the past. Morning. All right, I'm taking the L. Go ahead. All right, here's another one. Mike McDaniel, Dolphins coach, retaining defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. Top <laughs> top five sneaky big moves of the offseason that no one's talking about. 
I agree, I flat out agree with you because the other thing is you get a new scheme. That's you have a to bring spicy in meatball. Ten, 10 new players. <laughs> We're still workshopping. Their it. defense was good. I don't know if it's a spicy meatball, but you look at that defense. It, every year I do this exercise. Every year I think this team doesn't really look, this roster doesn't really look that good. And then I'm more down on the Dolphins than I should be. And then Flores and Boyer, because you got to give Boyer some credit. He was a coordinator. Somehow make the parts bigger than the the sum of their parts are are bigger. And if you look at this defense, it's mostly the same guys. They brought back uh, similar guys. They added some young talent. They kept the same coordinator. New first-time head coach, that's a little unorthodox. It actually, I think, shows a little self-confidence that this is a smart thing. Just keep this together because they always end up performing better than you think. On paper, I look at them, they're like, okay. They're you know what you never good. see? And it would be the next level of like removing ego from all of this and just truly wanting this team to thrive. What if Vic Fangio had said, look, it, I'm cool. I'll stay as your defensive coordinator. Oh, keep that, that in place that's and tougher. let Hackett do the same thing. I that's know that tougher. just never happens. But in this case, I'm with you. I thought McDaniel basically said, let's lean on our strength uh, here. Take out all the things that we learned after the firing and, of course, the lawsuit that's going on right now involving Brian Flores and the Dolphins. Uh, just what he was able to bring to that team, um, uh, him leaving the door, and he's a defensive-minded coach. It will be interesting to see if they are able to continue to thrive with him gone. I like you, trying to keep the same system, though, and right. the same coach. No, that's well, I see what you're saying. Because on paper, one. I should say, like, their front seven could be kind of fun. Jalen Phillips, they got Van Ginkle and Melvin Ingram are their kind of edge rushers. You have Agba, you have Wilkins. Like, that's pretty good. But the secondary could be special. Xavier Howard again back. Byron Jones, great number two. And then Javon Holland, who really flashed as a rookie safety. And then they like Brandon Jones. Like, that's four guys who you think could be difference makers in the same I'm secondary. I'm not saying anything critical about Miami because I feel like the last couple shows I brought up negative things about them. Certainly, there's a path here where the defense plays well. Right. Tua takes the next step, and this is a, an 11 win. I feel like their defense I, has been under the radar. That's what I was like. What haven't we talked about yet this offseason? Here's I, something. I know someone Dolphins who's been defense. very critical of him, and we're about to talk to him in a few minutes. And I would like to ask him a question about oh, it. He was at Dolphins OTAs tease. last week. Mike West. Wow. All right. Good tease. All right, Greggy, give us another one. Okay, the Cowboys defense. I kind of forgot how good the Cowboys defense was most of last year. Do you guys remember that? They were number two in defense. I mean, they had a good year. Yeah. It it ended in very Cowboys fashion. I sort of forgot about that. After a disastrous year of the prior. Right. And I was going into this thinking, like, it's been a really bad offseason for them. You know, they lost Randy Gregory, too, on defense and secondary, blah, blah, blah. There's still some good pieces there. But here's the take, which is that their defense comes down to Neville Gallimore and Osa Digizua making a big leap. And those two guys are capable of making a big leap. If those two guys make a big leap, both defensive tackles, they could be right back there as one of the best defenses in the league. You, again, here's that word, that S word. You said they could be special. Uh, You wrote um, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons there. And the Randy Gregory absence, you don't see as a killer for them, potentially. I mean, he's... How many useful periods of football has he Randy Gregory ever given you? I can go find them. There was about 300 to 400 snaps at once. It, it happened in 2017, and then it happened for a stretch last year. Then he got hurt, and he came back, and he wasn't really the same at the end of the year. He's never played more than 500. I think that loss has been overstated, and they have these two young guys who I like. Odigi Zua looked great last year. Gallimore, I thought was great as a rookie. You didn't see it as much. So you have those two guys. 
You have Lawrence and Van- and uh, Parsons, maybe the best duo in the league. You brought in Dante Fowler. You got Doris Armstrong, who's done some things. It's like, that's a great group. And on paper, the rest of the defense like doesn't get me jazzed, but they, they're all pretty young, and they were all there last year when it was going so you well, know, so I can't like get too down on I them. had I had... In my notes, I had something about the Cowboys I wanted to discuss, because, and I'm glad you hit on it, because I'm giving this an 8 out of 10 in terms of uh, spicy meatball. Okay. Uh, because there's been so much critical talk of the Cowboys uh, this spring uh, that I feel like it's going too much now, yeah. the other way, where you look at this roster, and it's like, okay, yes, maybe the wide receiver group isn't as good as it used to be. Maybe the offensive line is long in the tooth now, but there is certainly a path where this team again, wins that division that, that that's a double digit win team. I think we assume this is going to be a down cycle year for Dallas. Cause that just feels the way that's the probably where is. I'll land, but the pieces are there to be good. Well, yeah. I think also like the, the division they're in could inflate you to extra wins to get into a wild card. If they don't manage to knock out Philly in that thing. But Dan Quinn made this all work. It's the same system. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm with you. I, I don't think the defense needs to have a ma- bigger fall off. I think that the perception around Dallas was the way they mishandled and have mispaid certain players on offense. That had a lot to right. do with this. It's mostly the offense. And, I, and I'm pretty basic with my concerns there. And I think there are concerns. But, but the, the defense, I kind of forgot. Like the, you, you look at the corner cornerbacks and, uh, yeah, Trayvon Diggs pulled picked off a lot of passes, but you're not like that excited, but they, they performed pretty well. Malik Hooker and J Ron curse were their safeties, not big names, but they played quite well last year. Um, yes. And you know, Zeke Elliott, you note here, this is most likely his final season in Dallas. And I don't, maybe he's not as explosive as he once was, uh, but there's a chicken and egg situation here because the offensive line isn't as good as it once was either. So you, you take him, maybe lost a step. The offensive line is taking a step back. That's become a very ordinary running game on some levels, but maybe he also seeds some playing time um, as the maybe it becomes more of a tandem approach straight up at this point uh, in the game with Tony Pollard. All right. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Greg? All right, let's just do some rap, rapid uh, takes here. I'm just going to throw out a bunch, and maybe you can you can pick which is the spiciest. Mark, you and I go back and forth, no. and we just give a number no. after his take. Okay, yeah. sp- okay yeah. I was going to say yeah. the spiciest meatball of the group, but okay, we could do that. We'll go rapid fire. Gary, uh, Rashawn Gary, all pro. Can I just say one last thing? Yeah. I'm sorry again about the text snafu. That was okay. I don't think that we uh, just blame you. I can understand how it happened. I also thought it happened yesterday and it was this morning. So, All right. There you go. Start. <laughs> uh, Rashawn Gary, all pro. Season coming. 8.5. Okay. That's a spicy meatball. That's an eight and a half. Okay. George Karloftis, rookie uh, pass rusher. The key to the Chiefs defense. I mean, these are spicy. Now we're getting somewhere. That's okay. a nine. The key. One of the keys. Do you want to give a little nug along with these? I don't they know. Love I kind of so like this. It's been like I just feel like pre- their pass press rush run. looks like a big problem if he does not deliver. And uh, PFF loves this. Like I like this type of player. He reminds me a little bit of a Marcus Davenport, Jadavian Clowney type. So I think he's going to do well. Uh, maybe not superstar, but do well. But they really need him. Otherwise, I don't know, man. This uh, is what Andy Reid had to say about him. He goes 100 miles an hour, walkthroughs everything. We had to slow him down. He's relentless. He's had glowing reports Hello. and shorts. Uh, the Broncos, if you added up so you. the skill position players and pass rushers, uh, they have the most quality players in the league at those spots. Look at you. 
Say the categories again. Skill position players and pass rushers. Like if you're adding up who has the most of both of those combined, quality. I mean, you just, sort of, you like, just sort of slammed Randy Gregory, but uh, yeah, I, but like know. I'm saying, like quality players. I'm not saying top five guys, but like quality players. And then that team went and got a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. Mm -hmm. Seven point eight, because I think I do. Mm -hmm. I do feel like we thought the Broncos were ready to go minus quarterback. Those two position groups, like Dream, like. They have about like six pass rushers, and that you know most teams have. I really two. want to see Jerry Judy take a big leap this year. We yeah, all Broncos see it as a possibility. What was that? Broncos country, let's ride. That's one of the Russes. Um, Eagles backups uh, <laughs> on the lines better than a lot of starters. No, on both we, lines. We, we, we know you like that. Eagles. And then finally, uh, this is just Eagles. more of a statement. I'm looking forward to watching the New York Giants play offensive football. That's all. You know what? Looking I let me say, and that's 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 a good spicy one. meatball from you. That's a ten <laughs> after what happened in '42, and again in '46. '46 or more. Um, People don't believe me, but it's just the truth. Uh, I saw that. It definitely <laughs> caught my eye that you were speaking somewhat positively. And there is, I feel like the uh, Kadarius Tony um, army out there, the Tony <laughs> it's army. It's just me and Josh Norris, but I know that's probably the other person um, I'm thinking about. I guess he would be the X factor because they kind of, they could use someone that kind of breaks free. And you made the good point, like who's like the outside threat in that group of Sterling Shepard, uh, Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Tony. Like how does that break down? And does Daniel Jones have the ability to make the most of these guys. They need Galladay to step up. Well, he's, how about, they, how about the for guy, like the yeah. first yeah, season is, yeah. in half a decade, you don't lose like 1,400 combined snaps by potential <laughs> starters on your offense. Well, that's that's out of their control. Unless you want to get a strength and conditioning coach on the show next week. No, I do, I do not wish to. What would he tell us? Oh, I thought you were saying there were injuries. Those guys are good talkers. I, good I am su suggesting that a healthy Giants team would yes. have been watchable in years mm -hmm. past to some degree. That could be, this guy gets it, a good app. <laughs> like in, injury management. I see management. those more as like um, like 45-second long PSAs that just, you know, play before you watch a real video. Well, I think if you're starting this new feed, you want to think like what can get the most attention and downloads. And I think going through... Uh, season by season, old Giants rosters and seeing what injury impacts yeah. uh, they had. That could be it. That could the be number it. one tenant of this show, news-wise, was always be looking forward. So it would be a, a massive pivot from what's made this successful. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. This guy gets it with Mark Sessler. Also still still potentially in the mix. PR, it's Mark Sessler. Not in the mix. Still in the mix. Not in the mix. I'm with myself also. That was more. That was a spot for a. I'm annoyed now. Drop, Gravedigger. Just so you know. I'm annoyed now. There you go. Uh, all right. Good I'm job, Greg. I'm having a weird day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, check out NFL.com/slash/projected-starters. Always a great read and a good way to bone up. Gross. Uh, let's take a break and then get to Mr. Mike Westoff. Ah! You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back. Our guest today is one of my all-time favorites on the sidelines in the NFL. Great run as the Jets special teams coach from 2001 to 2012, but he has a 32-year career. Uh, he now retired with the Colts, Dolphins, Jets, and Saints. Bethel Park, PA native, and now he's got a new book out called Figure It Out, My 32-Year Journey While Revolutionizing Pro Football Special Teams. It's Mike Westoff. Welcome to Around the NFL, Mr. Westoff. Well, thanks, guys. No, I'm happy to be here. This is. Let's start with the. Let's start with the subhead of the book, Mike. Yeah, that's a good place. Uh, we love you uh, for your candor, and you've always been a guy that spoke in your mind. And and this is what the kids would call a flex when you say my 32 year journey while revolutionizing pro football special teams. Yes. What do you think you did? What did you bring? I know this is kind of a broad question, but this is where we'll, where we can start. What was it that you brought that was different? Uh, from the way special teams were before you kind of established yourself and made yourself um, such a star in that realm? Okay, I'll give you two answers to it. First of all, I had nothing to do with writing that. <laughs> I love it. Just disown it. You know, you did it. You revolutionized it. This is a now, Jets fan that, in Dan here, and he agrees, you know. <laughs> that's, written by the, that's written by the publisher as he went through and his – the way he looked at what happened, that's what he put there. So I'm, I'm okay with it. The other question is, what did I have to do with it? Pretty much everything. Oh, I love it. What are the details? What does that mean, though? Like, what did you? What do you okay. think you changed? Well, What's a lasting the impact? Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. When I first started in the job in 1982 with Frank Bush, I was hired with Frank, and it's a great story. I can have to read that one. But um, I was the Frank had jobs available. He looked. He needed a strength coach. A guy that might help with special teams needed a tight ends coach, all right, assistant offensive line coach, someone to help him. He said, I'm not sure how to do this. I said, I'll do them all. Give them all to me. Now, I didn't do any of them very well, to tell you the truth, but I did them all. So I started. And then we were in our first year, and we played two games and went on strike. The players were on strike. I was out for a jog one day and came across Frank. And he said, come on, walk with me. I want to talk to you. And he said, I'm going to fire our special teams coach. He said, Mike, he's terrible. I said, don't fire him. He's helping the defense. I'll take it. Let me take it over. Well, yeah, good news, Mike. Thanks a lot. I knew nothing. I didn't know a thing about special teams. But what I realized in a hurry, he gave me a notebook. A notebook should have come with crayons. It was terrible. But anyway, <laughs> so I started this. And what I found out in a hurry was that there were no special teams coordinators back then. They're just, it was divided up among the staff. Mm. There was very little, if any, creativity and, 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 and uh, that type of thing. Very little. It was just very not, it was not innovative. And there was also almost no regulation. So you could try everything. So what I did, I developed a philosophy. I wanted to have a coverage team emulate a defense. And I wanted to blitz. But my defense was going to blitz. So I went to Bud Carson, one of the great defensive coordinators in NFL history. I said, Bud, 
Take me through the perimeters of blitzing. I patterned my kickoff coverage after that. And I believe anybody would tell you that was the toughest coverage to ever go against. Mm. We were really good at it. And it presented problems. Then, as an offensive coach, I thought, well, okay, what am I going to pick off return? What, what's this to be like? Well, I wanted it to be a power off-tackle running play. So I double-teamed, and I trapped. My kick-out was a wedge. I learned how to cut the backside off, just like an offensive line would have to do. And I patterned it after that. And we broke pretty much most of the records. So, you know, it worked. And that's how I put, developed myself as a special teams coach and a coordinator. But it's on, I came along at the right place and the right time. I helped. It was part of it. I think I, I, think I had the integral part of taking it to a pinnacle. It has since, because of rule changes, et cetera, it's become, you know, it's gradually deleted out a little bit. You don't have the number of plays. So things are vastly different. And But I believed I was part of that rise. Also, there were a great number of other coaches that, that jumped right in with us, and, and we took it to a point of real prominence. And it was fun to be a part of, and that's what I wrote about. Uh, Coach, I've got to ask you something, because, you know, as we researched and, and looked at this book and some of the uh, the quotes coming out of it and some of the stuff that you wrote. I mean, it's obviously very rich with your time with the New York Jets. You talk about Tim Tebow in a very pointed way. You've got some stuff on Eric Mangini, Rex Ryan, the whole caboose. But uh, I read that you had to utilize your girlfriend as uh, what you called a dial-down instructor because some of your takes and some of your uh, anecdotes were a little too hot for the public. Is that true? That's correct. <laughs> Let's bring them out now, Mike, if you could. Uh, no, I won't do that. <laughs> I would read... I would read parts to her almost every night. And, you know, and sometimes she would say, you know, Mike, we might want to dial that down a little bit. And uh, for the most part, I actually did, did help me with that. Because I, I'm not afraid. I'm not trying to be, you know, overcritical. I try to be very fair. I mean, some of the things don't, you know, some of the things got a little bit mis, misunderstood. Like with Tim Tebow, I'll give you a real quick one. Um, Tim Tebow is what he is. You know, he was a, he's a marginal quarterback at best. He's a Heisman Trophy winner that deserved to win it, in my opinion. He managed what he had exceptionally well. Now, when we signed Tim Tebow, it was under the premise that he would be a multi-talented guy and play a number of positions and be like a wildcat quarterback. He was going to play for me on my punt team because I could do all the fakes with him. I'm the only one that upheld that part of the bargain. I used him, and he did a great job with me. Tim Tebow was not part of the problem. Tim Tebow is what he is. Is he a starting quarterback in the NFL? I don't believe so. And Bill Belichick had the same opinion. Ask him. You don't believe me, because he did the same thing. They let him go. But that was the reality of the situation. And we never used him at all on offense. So in my opinion, that was very, very much, much misused. And Tim Tebow was only part of that equation. That, that always felt to me, Mike, as, as a Jets fan, um, an example of one hand not washing the other, where you knew ownership perhaps and certain figures in the organization, oh, let's get this kid in the building, will be the story of the league. And then the coaching staff, for the most part, you had a defined role for him that you used. I remember him being the punt protector in that role throughout the season. It became pretty apparent that he didn't really have a role on that offense, and that kind of that reminded me of uh, – 
when I think about that era of Jets football, when things really started to snowball in the wrong direction and the, and the team really went downhill in a hurry, I always think of that time with, uh, with Tebow. I, I'm also curious, your, your career ended in 2000 after the 2018 season, Mike. Uh, the final game, I guess, that you coached, Saints-Rams NFC title game, a game that you've uh, said before was the t- toughest loss of your long career. And that of course was the nickel Roby Coleman game uh, between the saints and Rams. Uh, was it difficult to go out on that, on, in that matter? And, and was there a part of you that said, I can't go out with a game that painful when you had a super bowl window there. Take us no, through that I, a little I bit. I, I didn't see it that way. It was time for me to go. I had coached 32 years. That was a very good football team. We had taken that team kind of to its peak, which that, I'm, I'm correct in that assessment. You know, Drew was Drew had, had had a great career and was leveling just a tiny bit, but you know, such a great player. I think Sean Payton is an absolute excellent football coach. As I wrote about my book, he's the best on the field teacher I ever saw. Hmm. Trust me, I used to sit there on Thursday and watch him design a play. I'd see the exact same thing on Sunday. Exact. That's hmm. how that's how deliberate he is in his teaching. So that for me was, you know, I, I felt that team. I felt the year before that we could have gone when we had the Minnesota Miracle play beat us. It was a good football team that had fought its way. And that team needed to go to the Super Bowl. And I didn't get that chance. I was disappointed. For me, personally, it was uh, one of the – I felt that they had a you know, a real weapon on their punt team and where they ran fakes. They were very good at it. I researched it. I went back and studied everything they did all the way into St. Louis. I think I came up with my best individual game plan that I've ever designed. I had them nailed. I had five defensive linemen. Every time they were going to pump the ball, we were in a space. I had a seven-man front. We were going to double the wide guy, the flyer, or gunner, as you call him, to our right side, where he or Hickory wanted the ball, to our left side, where he liked to throw his face. I took my corner. I moved him inside, and I backed him off five yards. And just to backpedal, and if they did throw the fake, you know, he could attack it because if you throw out a punt formation to the wide receiver, there's no pass interference penalty. And I practiced it. I had Teddy Bridgewater throw the ball. I was totally prepared for it. But I made a mistake. I made a mistake with that corner. I took a corner who was really a proactive player. He's the guy that could fly in the direction. And I put him in a reactive position. When I look back now, they ran a fake. We all know it's coming. We're all screaming, fake, fake, fake. But as this corner went back, as he did 100 times in practice, now when he planted to go after the, the wide guy, the receiver, he turned his back. He made a mistake. I should have flopped the corners. We would have killed. Now, it only resulted in three points. But the way I look at the game, that was mm. tough for me. I, I'm the one who made it, no one else. And I did that. But uh, the plan that I had, one of the best plays I ever designed. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. I, I love part. that taking us behind because, yeah, that was kind of a forgotten play. I'm totally with you. I think that 2017 to 2019 Saints team, unfortunately for Saints fans, I think is going to go down as one of the best teams to ever not win a Super Bowl. That that little three-year kind of late breeze stretch. But the way you're talking about, like your matchup with Bones Fossil, the Rams uh, coordinator at that time, special teams, it gets to what you were talking about and how you revolutionize the sport. And that's what football is kind of all about is like specialization. That's why Bill Belichick always tries to talk about Paul Brown 
as the guy who changed the game more than anyone because he made it more specialized. And you are kind of part of that uh, evolution of the game, making it more specialized, drilling down. You were someone who coached against Bill Belichick for most of your career, a lot of your career. You were with Miami for 15 years, and he was in New England for part of that as as a coordinator. And, and then certainly when you were with the Jets and everything, and I know he has a big love for special teams, and he approaches it differently. How are those matchups to you? How were you guys, like, different as special teams minds? And what kind of stands out to you about your battles with Belichick over the years? He was, he was much more conservative than I was. He was not – he was going to make every effort to not let that part of the game beat him. He knew he knew he had the big advantage on offense with Tom Brady. He was going to make sure that I didn't do much against him. I feel if you if you added up how we played against each other, I come out way ahead. I got him pretty good. Love that. But he's, he's tough to beat because he's smart and he know you know he's very disciplined. And a lot of times I'd be doing all kinds of shifting things on our punt team, and he'd be yelling safe, safe. The only reason I was doing it that I didn't have a punter to punt the ball out of his bedroom. I was just trying to level the playing field and it worked. It helped me out. And so we were able to get him a few times and do some things against him. But I have tremendous respect as to how he handles and coaches the game. They're a very well coached football team. And I loved going against them because it was such a challenge. It was but a quiet flex there. You wiped the floor with him, you just said. You know, you basically you, you got your points in there against him. I like it. I got coach. I got to ask you another one. Like, so you're, I know you're comfortable retiring, but you're, you were just at Dolphins OTAs uh, recently. And a lot of people are high on the Dolphins because they think Mike McDaniel's, a, you know, a boy genius ready to unleash. But you were not very impressed um, from the comments I read about what you saw from the offense the day you were there. No, I wasn't. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, we're, we're talking, it's a mini camp. They, 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 they sure. rescheduled their OTAs and their mini camp. So it's a mini camp practice. Um, I know that it's early. I know that they don't have their game plan in for their opening day. I totally understand that. But what I also know is that game plan that I watched being executed should be opening first to second day of minicamp. I want to see the minicamp game plan executed. I've been on the field in my career with some pretty good quarterbacks. Don't forget, Dan Marino, you know, uh, Drew Brees, you know, Brett Favre. You know, um, Chad Pennington, when he was pretty doggone good, Vinny Testaverde. So I've been on the field for a lot of very good offensive practices. In my opinion, I saw very little which resembled anything of a good offensive practice. I just didn't see it. Now, is it going to come later? Sure it can. Sure it can. But I didn't see it, and that's what was disappointing. Do I want to see opening game performance? No, I don't. But I don't want to see what I saw. I was very disappointed that uh, that, that that wasn't better than what I, I thought it would be better than that. I was disappointed. Well, that well, earlier in the show, we had some positive thoughts about the Dolphins roster. Now there's a little yin and yang in there. Dolphins fans can look ahead and know there's a lot of football to be played uh, between now and September. All right, Mike. Did you last thing I have to ask, because I'm a big Parcells guy and the part in your book kind of broke my heart a little bit because uh um, I remember seeing you at, you know, Hofstra uh, with Bill and the situation that happened with you going down to Miami with your friend uh, to watch practice. And then you came back with the Jets uh, and Parcells. He, he sends the letter to the league complaining about you being there, even though you're under contract with the Jets, all sloppy. And I think you called it in the book. Yeah, I know what I called it. You called it. 
a chicken letter that Parcells wrote. Um, That's right. Have you guys spoken since that happened or did that end the relationship? It ended it the second he did it. Wow. Uh, And and I I had a good relationship with him. I was I always looked at him as kind of a big brother. And when I went over there, I was wrong because I was still under contract. Now, I, I did. I was totally gone from the Jets and they hired a new coach. I wasn't in the press guy. I went over because after the surgery worked so well, I knew I could now come back to coach. So all of a sudden, wait a minute, I don't have to retire. I'm coming back. So I went and visited some camps. And I went over and visited with Bill. He and I sat in a golf cart the entire day. We ate lunch together. I wrote him a thank you letter. I talked to his head coach about what I saw in practice. I had a great, and then all of a sudden, the Jets signed Brett Favre. Then they pressured me to come back. They want me to come back. I didn't want to go. They offered me a ton of money. I turned it down. Mm. Now, when I went to visit them, I was wrong, not Bill. I was wrong because I, I, you really can't go to a camp if you're under contract. He didn't know that, but I didn't know it either. And I'd never done it. I just, you know, I just went to watch practice. The one thing I didn't do is I didn't go over there to cheat. For him to write a letter like that was totally inappropriate. And so I blew up. Now, I coach the game, but if I don't coach the game, then it looks like I did go over there to cheat. And it was, you want to call it? Yeah, it was a chicken shit letter. Now, I could push the letter, then you wouldn't have any argument because you'd know. But I didn't do that. The one chicken thing was enough. That's, that's <laughs> why I let it go with that. And that's exactly how I felt. I've never talked to him. Was and if I ever did talk to him, again, it wouldn't be even the beginnings of a pleasant conversation. I'll leave it with that. Uh, passionate football man. Did, did your girlfriend convince you not to put the letter in the book? <laughs> no, I no. She had nothing to do with it. She never tried. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. This is going to be a great summer read on the beach, whether you're on the Jersey Shore or wherever. You can get the book right now and figure it out at mascotbooks.com right now. And then everywhere else, Amazon and anywhere else that carries books, July 12th. Mike Westoff. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and uh, good luck and enjoy retirement. You certainly earned it. Uh, a lot of fun talking to you today. Okay, guys. Thank you too. It was enjoyable. Thanks, right. Mike. Coach. Most of it. There he goes. <laughs> Most of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love that man. Uh, he was, he always spoke his mind and you hear it there. Kind of reminded me of uh, my dad uh, on certain topics when, my dad Keith gets starts to get fired up talking about something that has annoyed him or yeah. someone that upsets him. You can I've actually hear that. it. Doesn't matter when the story happened, as he's telling the story again, that kind of uh, ag- aggressive like anger about it, and that's what we heard with Parcells. I know. Uh, part uh, of me wants them to, you know, make that's what make I was good hoping. before one of them's gone. But <laughs> yeah, some sometimes you're just done with the person in your life. Maybe that's just as healthy to just be like, I made that decision. That's over. did he say he was only happy with most of the conversation? Yeah, he probably. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'd, I'd love to know what made him unhappy. But well, maybe uh, you know. maybe it was like bringing up some of these um, these memories. Well, I wish I kept it's my mouth shut when I sort of like came back. <laughs> and was like, oh, but you stuck it to Belichick. You know, I mean, he's, maybe that was he's it. Technically yeah, that written, was it. I think he's that written was a it. memoir, so it yeah. is technically based I, on I, memories. Yeah, so I, I get, love that because... If he, there was one person to make it awkward in this room, it, w- it would yeah. be Greg. It, no it would be. No I do love that. He was like, look, uh, he was much more conservative than me. Uh, if you added it up, uh, I, I had my way with him ultimately, which is... That's, that's what you want, honestly. I mind. mean, this guy... 
I love the history of the game. And he was with Jimmy. He was with Don. If we had all the time, we could have asked a lot of stuff. He was with Don Shula. Right. And then Jimmy Johnson. And he was in Miami that whole time. He he was there for the end of Don Shula. And he was such a good assistant. And he did some offensive coaching, too, not just special teams. Uh, that when Jimmy Johnson came in, they he, he saw both of those eras. Just like a fascinating. Like, those guys have all the best And stories. he sticks up for... The people, the way that some people feel about the Rex Ryan led Jets, that 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 behind the scenes, Rex Ryan was very different, very organized, and that the special teams were the best in the league because of him. He's a because great of coach. Westhoff. He's a great coach, and I, I w- did want to ask him. We're running a little short on time, but I did want to ask him also. You know, if there would be, you know, famously the Nickel Roby Coleman play led to the. Um, failed pass interference rule change if there was anything in the game mm. and special teams that he feels they need to make adjustments on. But uh, maybe that will be for the second time we speak with Mike <laughs> if he chooses to join us. It's, it's hard out there for special teams coach. he, coaches. He, he alluded to it. The, the rules are changing in such a way that they have a little less impact and a little less flexibility than right, they, and they get treated. And it's all safety I mean, start reasons. With kickoffs, it, they're good know? reasons. Um, but yeah, kickoffs have changed quite a bit. Yeah, an assistant coach is that I think multiple times in his career in the book, he talks about being approached by, you know, uh, management. We want you to replace this guy that that is our current special teams coach that we don't like. And it's like August 20th. And it's like it's a, the special teams coach. It's kind of a thankless gig where you get noticed more when you, you fail at it. But to Westhoff's credit for that, that instance he was talking about that led to the Parcells fallout. The Jets wanted to fire the current special teams coach. And he said, no, I'll take over. But that guy's not going to be fired. He's going to stay. We'll make it work, even if it's a little bit awkward, uh, looking out for his own uh, positional group. That's so how we go. do it for each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe. Right. Good app. Good app. We'll be back on Thursday. We've got a special th- show on Thursday. We're going to be on the road. It's a road show. <laughs> I mean, it's like eight miles. What is it? How far is it? I don't know. We're going to West Hollywood for the second annual Pride cast with a cast of all-stars, including my brother, Kevin Danger Hands. Ooh, oh, I like to hear that. In the traveling party, but also Connie Fox, maybe a former producer with the show. I think people can probably love? connect love? the dots on this one. Yeah, Probably can connect it. And, and just so you know, I said, Graver, uh, give me a song that connects with, in your mind, a, a pride cast um, show in West Hollywood. So let's turn this up. This was Justin Graver's choice with Randy Chavez. Sterilize. This is where we need the producer uh, <laughs> camera in the back. They've all got their hands Mark, let's up. wash up again. All right. <laughs> Mark and I are heading back to the to sterilization the chamber. And we will see you on Thursday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, until then, heed the call. great ending you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.